we're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. Show the rest of the world who aren't farmers what it is. What's it, what's it like on a farm? You know, what we do every day. We're feeding the world. It creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. In today's episode, Daniel and Wade are joined by Gavin Spohr from Martinsburg, Missouri. While most college students work on campus, a local restaurant or grocery store, Gavin started his farming operation where he grows and sells popcorn across Missouri. Gavin, thanks for hopping on with us tonight. How are things in Northeast Missouri today? Well, they're soaking wet today, but the sun came out, so hopefully it dries up and we can get back in the field. A little rain never hurts, but a lot of rain could be a problem. Dan, how about the panhandle of Texas? Well, we're pretty dry. Uh, Gavin, why don't you send that rain over here in God's country, and uh, we'll we'll give her a go. You can have it. Give me give me three weeks of dry weather weather to plant, and then and then we'll switch back, and I'll take the rain back after that. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if you could, could just control the weather? We need to get on that. <laughs> There, there's somebody that's in tr- control of that, and he's he's in, he's in charge. <laughs> Let him do his job. <laughs> well, he needs to listen to me a little more. <laughs> We've got Gavin Spore with us tonight. Sorry. Gavin, uh, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Hey, yeah, so my name is Gavin Spore. I'm a uh, first-generation farmer from Martinsburg, Missouri. I'm also a college student, and I started farming Basically, from scratch, um, four or five years ago, I uh, started out with six acres of soybeans, and it's uh, morphed into what it is today. I grow a couple different crops. I've, uh, my main crop is popcorn, and that's kind of how I help uh, pay the bills on my farm and, and pay for a little bit of college is, uh, through my popcorn operation. Popcorn. That's good stuff. Why? Oh, yeah. Well, we, we're going to jump the gun now. Why Why popcorn? Why? What, what drew you to that? <laughs> I love that question. So popcorn, um, everyone in my area, they're typically on a corn-soybean rotation, and there's some winter wheat, um, but it's mainly corn and soybeans, and you see a little bit of milo, but not much. Uh, but no one grows popcorn. And with the way crop prices were going two years ago, and granted they were way more than they are now, but they still weren't a lot, I knew that if I wanted to be successful as a first-generation farmer, I needed to diversify and find a crop that had a higher margin. And uh, being a full-time college student, I didn't have time to sit by a vegetable stand all summer or all fall uh, because I had classes. So I needed something with a long shelf life, and I saw my popcorn because I can use similar equipment to uh, regular field corn. There's a few more steps involved, but... Uh, I could start selling that, and uh, I didn't really know how the crop would turn out, um, how good that business model would be. I kind of just took a leap of faith on it and grew seven acres, and it's kind of just really expanded from there and exceeded my expectations. Well, we'll, we'll get back into gotcha. more of that in a little bit, but let's let's go back to your childhood. Did you tell us? Did you grow up there in Martinsburg? Yes, yeah, so Martinsburg, Missouri is the only town I've ever called home. It's a beautiful little town full of 304 people, so real big. We've got one whole stoplight <laughs> in the whole town, but there's a grain elevator and a baseball diamond and a couple churches and just, just a little American town. Um, yeah, I grew up there my entire life, and uh, family wasn't involved with farming, um, but I knew I wanted to be involved with farming from a young age, a bunch of 
farmers around town, I'd always go hop in their tractors with them after I'd get out of school and ride a couple rounds, or if I was lucky, ride a couple hours and just enjoy agriculture and enjoy my community. All right, so so you say you didn't grow up in ag. Uh, I know I've heard in the past that a lot of farmers would uh, let you ride on the tractor with them as a young kid. Uh, tell us a little bit yeah. about that. I, it's always fun seeing uh, kids on a tractor because you just know that they're there because they love it. You bet. Yeah, so uh, so neither of my parents farm. Um, we live on a farm, but neither of my parents farm. And uh, even where we live, they don't own the the farmland around the house my dad is a uh, he works in a brick plant they make um just bricks you know for buildings and my mom's a nurse but we're surrounded by farmers and i would say growing up the average farm size around me was four or five hundred acres my closest couple neighbors five six guys they all farmed about that much and uh they were in their 40s or early 50s so all of their sons that were in their 20s and 30s had taken off to college or left town for one reason or another and uh, they weren't in the area so there was all of these farmers and they didn't have anyone to ride with them and i was this little six seven eight year old guy um that loved tractors i mean who doesn't love a loud tractor diesel smoke and (laughs) dust going everywhere that's just every little kid's dream uh and i was just enthralled with it I, i wanted to be involved with it um probably from before I could speak you know my dad would get me toy tractors for Christmas or you know I we'd go to the dealership for lawnmower parts and I'd pick up a model tractor and I'd want it just everything about it I loved it and so uh my mom would give him a phone call when I'd get out of school get home at 3 30 and if they were working dirt or planting or combining I'd go hop in and I'd get to ride with them and I'd pick their brains with probably silly questions but you know, whatever a seven or eight year old can think of, why are you doing this like this? Um, why corn and soybeans, why they're planted? Just, you know, just random little questions that I wanted the answer to because I wanted to be a farmer. You know, these guys were my heroes. And uh, as I got older, it morphed into a love for agronomy and uh, the business side of things. And I knew that I wanted to be successful with it. So those same guys that I rode with growing up, they're still you know, some guys that I look up to, they're still farming and I go to them for advice whenever I have a question. Cause I don't have the answer to it. And they're really good guys that have been farming here their whole lives. And uh, hopefully they've got the answer for me. Right on. That's always important. You know, it's as, as a young feller myself, I, I find it very uh, important to surround yourself with, with good people that will help you, help you learn about agriculture. I mean, I've got my dad who usually always has the answer, but you know, he's got his own way of doing things and there's other guys that don't do it that way. So it's always good to get, you know, several different opinions and then take that as a whole and, and make your own operation out of that. So that that's always interesting. You're a, you're a senior there at the university of Missouri in Columbia. Um, first question about that. Why, what led you to the, to the university of Missouri to, to pursue your college uh, education? Yeah, so um, believe it or not, before I made the choice of what college to go to, back when I was still in high school, uh, I attended a technical school in high school. Votech is what we called it, but it was a in the mornings every day, junior and senior year, so three to four hours a day. Um, I would hop on the bus, and we would go to the next high school over. There was a larger high school, and they had a tech program, 
um, and I did do some mechanics. And that's where I realized after two years that I was not mechanically inclined. I didn't grow up around tools, and I didn't. I, when I went to the technical school, I figured I'll go get a job at the dealership, and I'll work on tractors, and I'll save up money so I can start farming. And after two years of technical school, I realized, man, if I do that, I'm not going to last very long because they're going to find a better mechanic than me, and I'm not going to have a job. So uh, I uh, I decided to go to the University of Missouri um, and make some connections there and have four more years of uh, learning. And then with that degree, I could go get a corporate job. I was going to give up um, my dream of farming for 10 or 20 years or whatever it took and go get a, you know, a job with a large ag company in St. Louis or, or in a different state and make the big bucks and you know do something there in the chemical or seed industry, save up a bunch of money, and then come back later in life and, and buy a farm and just do that. But then I got through my first year of college and started bouncing ideas back and forth with my peers. And, and uh, you know going to college really opens your mind up in a way that I didn't expect um, just to the world and seeing all the opportunity out there. And I started reading about entrepreneurs in different industries and how they just started in college. And I decided what better time to start farming than right now when I'm young, because if something happens, if, if crop prices are terrible and the farming world tanks and I'm not successful, I can restart when I'm 26 or 27 with a degree and I can go to town and get a job if I need to. But if I'm going to try to become a farmer, I better do it now before I have a wife and kids and a lot of payments. And uh, my schedule's pretty open. I can work late and get up early, and it doesn't bother me because I'm 22 years old. So I went off to college, and that's exactly what I did. I started farming a few acres and uh, started picking up a few more and, and uh, bouncing ideas back and forth with people, networking online and um, taking some sales classes and uh, some entrepreneurship classes and uh, just kind of chased every opportunity that came my direction, but I don't think anything I'm doing right now would be possible without having gone to the University of Missouri. You, that's a long answer for a short question, but I hope a, I covered it. That's a great answer. You, uh, you know, college kids have lots of challenges, be it, be it dealing with a world pandemic and, and having to take classes online or, or having to having going to school 50 miles, 50 minutes from, from the farm. How, how do you balance? Um, let's talk, let's focus on the fall here. Um, how, how have you balanced taking classes and focusing on your education, but also having a, having a crop and having your livelihood in a field, um, not, not in your back door. <laughs> I, I burn a lot of gas. Or a lot of diesel fuel going to check on a. I, I try to check all my crops at least once a week, and uh, but you know balancing that with college, um, I would go and, and you got to think freshman and sophomore year I wasn't farming but but six acres and then a hundred acres, um, but here this year it's really gotten hectic because I'm all of a sudden I've grew three times compared to what I had last year and, and being at home I think college is actually more difficult online. I prefer driving an hour to class every day and uh, having face-to-face interactions with my teachers. This, this doing stuff online and turning everything in online is really challenging. When I can look outside and, and see farm equipment that I want to go work on, it was, it's been a challenge forcing myself to sit down in front of the computer and uh, instead of going outside and working on equipment. Yeah, I, I understand that completely. Uh, 
I, I think my main challenge is just getting grades passed and able to pass. <laughs> That's about <laughs> it for me. Yeah. Well, I, so, I originally yeah. had planned to graduate and or you know graduate here in a couple of weeks, and the whole uh, Corona COVID nineteen is kind of screwed that up. But I had a eight week class that got canceled, and I got reimbursed for the tuition on that because uh, we never took it. Um, but I've got one class that just completely kicked my butt and uh, didn't. I don't have a passing grade in it right now, so I technically won't graduate in May, even though I'm a senior. I'm gonna have to take a couple classes this fall or uh, even maybe spread it out and take one class a semester online for a year or two uh, to get that degree. So, yeah, this this whole COVID thing's really screwed stuff up. Yeah, it sure has. And that, that stinks that you have to do it. But, hey, I find it easier to focus on one class, especially when you're uh, working with things that you might not completely understand. Uh, let, yeah. Let's move on to farm equipment. Uh, I always enjoy watching your stories because you make things look pretty, Gavin. You just—it doesn't matter the age, it doesn't matter the the, the paint color, whether it's uh, red or, or <coughs> green. No, I'm kidding. Time out. But, uh, time out. Time out. Did, did Dan? Did Daniel sell Farmer Dan ninety seven just commend red equipment? Did you hear that, Gavin? I think he did. No. I, I think he did. <laughs> well. We'll let the followers decide on whether or not I was being uh, heavily sarcastic or not. Tell us a little bit about your operation. I know you've uh, you've made some advancements in equipment here just lately, which is awesome. Uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about what's on the farm at the moment. You bet. So uh, this year, things have really, really taken off. It seems like I've put in four or five years of nonstop work, and it, it's starting to pay off somewhat, uh, but I was able to... Uh, get a hold of a case ih mx 240 so that's my big tractor for this year 240 horsepower and uh um, like i said earlier my farm i expanded three times what i had last year and i just i needed a bigger piece of equipment last fall the only tractor i had was a farmall 1066 and i just couldn't do everything i've got now with that one tractor logistically being spread out it just it wouldn't work i've got I've got farmland in four different counties, and uh, as the crow flies from north to south, that's dang near 50 miles. So uh, I, I can't wow. be going back and forth with the same tractor. Um, so, yeah, I've got that 240, and that's what I do all of my big work with, uh, grain cart, tillage, um, anhydrous. That's that's what, that's what my big tractor. And then I uh, picked up a Farmall 966 this uh, late winter. It was January. Um, and that's my planter tractor. So it's, it's hooked onto a John Deere 7,000 six-row planter, plain and simple, but man, it gets the job done and it, it does a good job. And then I've got the 1066. It's sitting still right now. I decided to spring a little hydraulic leak, um, but I'll hope to get that fixed this summer. So I've got it ready to go for this fall. Um, and I try to, I, as crazy as it sounds, Farmer Dan, um, I'm sure you've noticed every time I take a story, I'm out somewhere tilling a field, whether it's disking or, or field cultivating. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a huge advocate of no-till. Unfortunately, we had a wet fall <laughs> last year. I've got some ruts out there, and I don't want to bounce through them with the planter. So uh, we're getting the field smoothed back up, and I'm hopefully going to move back towards no-till in the future. That's kind of <laughs> our soil types in Missouri that seems to work best, um, keep that soil <laughs> from eroding away. So. Well, you know, maybe eventually that uh, MX240 will get put on a bigger planter, and I'll no-till everything. Heck yeah! Let's just upset <laughs> all the no-tillers right now. 
tillage is the way to go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Moving on. Well, so, man, it you is have fun. A, oh, yeah, it's always fun turning dirt and smelling that sound, smell. Yep. I mean, there's nothing like the fresh sm- smell of turned soil. I, you can't beat it. Uh, tell us a little bit about your combine. I love that thing. <laughs> so, oh, oh, I'll throw this on you. Which combine? I've got two of them now. Did you know that? Well, I'm thinking of your 66, or is it 6620 or 7720? Yep, 6620. Uh, John Deere. Okay. Man, that thing is bulletproof. It's a it's a John Deere 6620 yep. old combine, but it gets the job done. It's got a 16-foot bean head on it. And uh, picked that up from a, a good buddy of mine. Actually, met him through Instagram a couple years ago, but Dane Jessup nice. is his name. He's, a, he's another first-generation farmer from over in Indiana. And uh, he's been just as successful or more successful than I have. And he bought a bigger combine and I bought this one from him. And, uh, I ran it over about 150 acres of soybeans last year. And it, the only time it ever broke down, it was my fault. And I decided I was going to try to eat a rock, uh, accidentally eat a rock. And, uh, it, it didn't like it. It tried to spit it back out and I made a mess of the throat. So <laughs> I was down for a couple of days. Uh, but no, that combine is a great combine. It cleaned up good and it, it does a really good job in the field. Right on. You have another combine? I I'm do. Not I uh, apparently. Well, I haven't announced it to the world yet, so I guess it gets announced here first. But yeah, it's a uh, right on. A case in, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Case International 1660, and uh, it's, it's got all the bells and whistles. Nice, nice big uh, lug tires, a six-row corn head, and a twenty-foot bean head. But I still have that John Deere 6620. So I'm going to do my corn and popcorn with the red machine, and I'm going to leave the green machine on soybeans. So, uh, yeah, hopefully kill two birds with one stone this fall. Well, congratulations. Thank that's you. A, that's a good purchase right there. Mm-hmm. So you, you talked to popcorn early on, um, you and you mentioned soybeans. So you still follow a, a rotation, a, a corn, as in popcorn, Correct. and soybean rotation on your on your acreage? Yep, for the most part, um, all of my acres are just corn, soybean, corn, soybean, or popcorn, soybean, uh, popcorn, soybean. This fall, I will have uh, about 200 acres of winter wheat. We're going to see how that works. And uh, I also usually do, I think I'm going to get into the uh, habit of planting 5 to 10 acres of sunflowers every year. My girlfriend loves sunflowers, and I like to see my girlfriend smile. So a big field of sunflowers gets her grinning from ear to ear. Well, isn't that sweet? I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a a hopeless romantic farmer, Dan. (laughs) I'm still curious about equipment. I'm sorry, Wade. We're going to go back to equipment because that's my kind of thing. Tell us about your combine, your new one. If you don't mind, I don't want you to be releasing this all on on the interweb if you don't want to, but... I'd kind of like Heck to know more about your combine uh, and why you went to yeah. Case rather than John Deere. So in this area, at least, um, my little pocket of northeast Missouri, it seems like everyone runs uh, green tractors and a red combine. Um, the axial flow, people seem to get along good with them. We've got really good dealer service. And uh, it's really interesting to see how many guys will have four or five green tractors, but then they've got a 2388 tucked in the corner of the shed that they do all their combining with. Um, but it, it came from a, uh, actually, if you know, if you've seen pictures of my white semi, my hopper bottom, it's mm-hmm. the same fella that had owned that is who I bought this combine from. I, I wash his combine up Very every nice. year 
and uh, he got a bigger one, and so the opportunity presented itself there, and I'm really excited to use it this fall. It, it doesn't have a yield monitor or anything, but it's got a brand-new engine and nice big old tires on it, so I don't think I'll be getting stuck anytime soon. <laughs> right on. You say that, but you're yeah. going to get stuck the first time you... Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going to find a wet hole somewhere. I'm going to pull a Duggo. Hey, yep, we will... We are 100% full sins, aren't we? <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Uh, okay. We're done with talking about equipment for now, uh, even though that's uh, what always interests me. But I'm also interested in popcorn varieties. Uh, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about different varieties. I know you've got, I don't know, three or four different colored corn cobs online to buy, and I, I couldn't figure out which one to buy. And so I think I bought two or three of them last time, but... Tell us a little bit about that, Gavin. You bet. So um, popcorn, I, I don't remember how many varieties of corn there is, um, but there's like a, you know 11 different kinds. There's sweet corn, normal field corn like we're used to growing, and popcorn and some different varieties that aren't grown in the U.S., but um, popcorn is the only one that pops. And uh, they've just, through the years, um, selected ears and got them to throw different colors. Now, whenever it pops, all the popcorn is either white or yellow, um, but the skin of the kernel is actually what holds that color, and they're all a little bit different. So your red popcorn, it's really nice and tender. Your yellow popcorn pops huge, but it does have those darn holes that get stuck in your teeth. And the white popcorn doesn't have those holes get stuck in your teeth. Uh, it's really, it's nice and tender and tastes great, but it pops smaller, so it's not going to fill your bag up as much. So it's kind of personal preference, what everyone likes. And then uh, blue, I think blue's fun. The blue popcorn, you're going to call me crazy, but it almost has uh, a nutty flavor to it. it it's kind of neat. Um, I wasn't really, really I, I didn't know what to expect whenever I started growing all those last year, because uh, the first year I just grew yellow, and last year I grew every color available. But yeah, it's uh, they're, they're, they're like, um, you know, a family. They're all part of the same family, but they're all a little bit different and, and unique in their own way. Gotcha. So, so you you said last okay. last season you, you expanded your your product line and the and the t- the varieties you're going to grow or the colors you're going to grow. Um, was that a decision you just kind of made on a whim, or did you did you go out and kind of try these try the other popcorn colors um, once they're popped and kind of see what they're like, or or was it just a, as Dan just mentioned a full send on on something new? <laughs> Everything I seem to do is a full send from the get go. There might be some forethought, but you really don't know till you jump in and get your hands dirty. So I had never tried red, blue, or white popcorn before last year until I grew it. I'd never tried it until I harvested it and ate it, and it was pretty good. So uh, I've expanded a little bit more for this year. But two years ago, or I guess going on three years ago, was the first year I grew popcorn. I had 15 acres of yellow. And then last year... I had about the same amount of yellow, but then I did a few acres of each. So I had about 40 acres total of yellow, white, blue, red, and black. Um, so, and this year I'll have about the same, um, give or take 40 acres. Uh, and the colors seem to sell really good um, so far. I, I don't have the colors up online yet as individual kernels. I only have the ears available Um but the yellow seems to do really good in the grocery stores. And then kettle corn companies are my biggest customer for yellow popcorn. That's who 
I, I, I've got one guy, he buys a pallet a month of yellow popcorn kernels, and he, he just does kettle corn in the big cities every weekend. And so it, it's great to get connected with kettle corn companies and uh, provide them a product I've grown on my farm that they know right where it comes from, and they can hop on social media and see every single step of the growing process. Wow, a pallet of popcorn every month. Wow, that, that's amazing. And, and here's so, a fun fact for you, Farmer Dan. A pallet, I guess, a popcorn kernel expands 38 times its original size. So if you've got a handful of kernels, once it pops, you'll have 38 handfuls of popcorn, give or take. That's what it's supposed to make. Really? So you got to think. you got to think. A pallet of popcorn kernels will make roughly 38 pallets of popped corn. And he's going through that every single month. That's a okay, lot of that's a lot of math. That's a lot of <laughs> math there, so I'm not sure I can wrap my head around it, but sounds like you're making quite the deal there. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He's making that's a lot of kettle corn. You you mentioned that your your yeah. customers can can get on your site, your social media and see the process from start to finish. As as somebody producing a food product is is quality control and and kind of being public and transparent with that kind of stuff important to you? Absolutely, 100%. And that's one of my main focuses is not everyone cares about where their food comes from, but for the people that want to know where their food is coming from and they want to be involved in it, I want to be their go-to guy. So uh, every process from planting through the growing season, I I use every single social media outlet I can, from Instagram to Facebook, um, even TikTok now. TikTok's one of my favorite ones. but, you know, and I, t- I talk about everything from why that popcorn kernel is pink whenever it's planted, and it's because it's got a seed treatment on it. And that seed treatment's not going to hurt the consumer, but it's going to protect that plant while it grows, um, and it's going to give me a higher yield, and it's going to give them a nicer product that's not going to have, you know, earworm damage, for example. Um, you know, why we do tillage or why we do no-till, fertility practices, why we're putting fertilizer and what kind. Um, herbicides are a big one. People are wondering what I'm spraying on the crop and if it's going to affect them. Um, and so I've had some great conversations stem from that. Um, and then going through harvest and, and cleaning it, you know, you can't take popcorn right out of the field and run it through a combine and throw it in a bag because you're going to have some guy in Washington or, or Florida or California, for example, and they're going to find a grasshopper head, which is super common to run through a combine. You know, you get grasshoppers going through the field. If they get one grasshopper head in one jar, oh, I, I, I get sued and lose all my money uh, from all these years of hard work. Um, so it's got to be cleaned before it can be bagged, you know, and ran through that whole process to make sure it's clean and, and ready to go in your microwave or on your stovetop. Uh, so I've had some great conversations stem from that and kind of explain to people all the processes that go into getting that one jar or one bag to their doorstep and uh you know it blows people away and instead of just being instead of me taking corn or soybeans to the elevator and then never seeing them again uh, the neat thing about popcorn is i see that kernel from the second it goes in the ground to the second i send it to the customer and i do every single step um, so that's really fun too, because people get to know their farmer and where their food comes from. Mm-hmm. It's neat if the consumer wants to know. I mean, you've got a direct line to uh, sharing with them what's going on. Um, 
tell us how you are able to sell your product. I know I've seen some pictures of you building shelves and then putting them in a like a grocery store, and also your yep. your sell stuff online. But tell us about getting stuff into a, like a, a convenience store or a grocery store. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to do is cold call grocery stores. Uh, usually, my process is I walk in. I find the closest cashier and I say, hey, can I speak to your manager? And they get this scared look in their eye and they think, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? You know, it's kind of fun, really. And they're like, oh, no, what, you know, what made this guy mad? Why do they need to talk to the manager? So they, you know, we go find the manager and I introduce myself and I just ask if he has a few minutes. I've got a product I'd like to present to him. And if he's super busy, uh, if, if we could schedule another time, I could come back and speak with him. And uh, normally they've got at least a couple minutes to, to hear this popcorn farmer spiel. And I tell them about my product and what I can provide. Um, I take, like you said, like you uh, had noticed the shelves, uh, I've got a local FFA chapter. They built those shelves as an FFA project. I pay for the materials and then they get to construct them during class time. And I provide that shelf to a grocery store free of charge as long as it carries my popcorn. Uh, so I don't have to take shelf space away from another product. I create my own shelf space, and so they really like that idea. And, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a shelf can hold 28 bags, and uh, they buy the product from me at a wholesale price, and then they make their they make their money on top, you know, at a retail price, whatever it retails for. Um, so, so everyone's making enough money to keep their lights on for another month, and I'm getting popcorn into a store, and it's worked really well so far. I think I'm in 14 stores now here in Missouri. And then I've shipped to over 30 States. Uh, A friend of mine at Mizzou actually that I live with and Alpha Gamma Rho, the fraternity I lived in, um, he built the website for me and we figured out how to get barcodes and nutrition facts and everything I need to do to, you know, have a, a food on a grocery store shelf. We went through all those processes and uh, (laughs) figured a lot of stuff out in a short amount of time. It, It was a big learning curve instead of just taking your grain to an elevator and, you know, dumping a semi-load at a time, but I've really enjoyed it. Selling, selling a food product, do you have to go through and do nutrition labels and things like that? Yep. So every single one of my um, packages of popcorn in the grocery store carries a nutrition facts label. Um, and then it also has a barcode, so it can be scanned by any barcode scanner. Uh, I know in the country, possibly even the world, because um, you know it's a universal barcode. Each each product has its own barcode um, that goes with uh, you know the product size. Um, but yeah, there there's a there's a lot to it. Um, and then getting it cleaned, I take a couple semi loads every winter to Kansas, and they clean it in a like a fifteen million dollar food grade cleaning facility, and they bag all of it up in fifty pound bags for me and bring those 50 pound bags back on a pallet. And, uh, so then my kettle corn companies I sell to, they buy a 50 pound bag. Um, but when I go into grocery stores, I take that 50 pound bag and I break it down into, uh, two pound or 28 ounce, uh, bags. And I normally get like 26, two pound bags out of a 50 pound bag. And that's what I take to the grocery store. Am I making your head hurt yet, Farmer Dan? I know that's math for you. It was hurting in the beginning, so <laughs> they're just making it worse. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work, but it must be worth it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I make more money than I would with field corn, uh, but it is a lot more work. It, it's it's kind of a different mindset, you know, because 
every single bag I sell has score farms on the side of it. And if it's not up to my standard, I don't want a consumer getting it. One thing I really push for is the popcorn that a person is buying out there with my name on the side of it. It's never going to be more than a year old. I want it to be from the last harvest, you know, the freshest harvest. So right now I'm selling stuff that we combined in November, but by this fall, you know, by the time we roll around to about Christmas time, I'm going to have new stock in and I will be selling this year's harvest is the plan. Normally I get uh, each crop uh, cleaned around January, February time, and we'll be selling the freshest harvest I can possibly do. Is it is it common in so, in large scale popcorn for them to be selling product that's older than a year old? I've heard yes, and uh, that's one thing people always compliment me on uh, how fresh and how great it tastes compared to other stuff. Uh, but my pop, you know, popcorn is popcorn. All popcorn farmers have access to the same varieties. All popcorn companies do, for the most part. There's some that are proprietary, but. Uh, the fresher it is, the better it seems to taste. So even my popcorn, in my mind, if I could eat it in November right out of the field, even though it's the same popcorn the next year, it sat around a little longer and it might not pop as big or it might have a little bit more of a stale taste. Still the same popcorn. Um, it just, it, I guess it ages a little bit is what I've seen. But yeah, I prefer to eat as fresh as possible and that's what I want the customer to eat also. Right on. So we touched on it a little bit about you being a first-gen farmer. Uh, tell me about the challenges that comes with that, because you're starting from scratch. No one really knows your your name and, and what your farm's about, and so you really have to uh, sell yourself to potential landlords. Um, tell yep. us a little bit about that. So uh, it's an uphill battle um, because – and one thing I've got going for me is I, I didn't move here from out of the area. I've lived in the area my entire life. I just don't have a father or an uncle or any, you know a grandpa that farms. Um, so coming by ground is pretty hard to do because there's so many farmers in the area that are established and they do a great job. Uh, so some things I've done to set myself apart. Uh, one of the first farms I ever rented was off of Craigslist ad. Of all places, I, uh, I, I just made a simple ad. I took a picture of my crop and uh, from that previous year, and I said, I'm a young farmer wanting to get going. Uh, I don't want to steal ground. I don't want to bid up ground and, and knock some other guy off of it. I, I don't want to be that kid. But if there's an opportunity out there, I would love to have a conversation and, uh, and, and grow my farm. And I had a guy out of St. Louis about an hour and a half away. He said, I've got a farm that I hunt on. I go out there and hunt, but I don't farm myself. And the guy farming it now is not going to be farming it next year. Would you like an opportunity? I said, yeah, it's a 20-mile drive, but that's 40 acres, and I don't care. I'm going to do it because that sounds fun. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, for anyone that listens to my Instagram stories, they hear me talk about a Santa Fe farm. That's I drive almost 20 miles one way, uh, but it's 40 acres. I've met my landlord in person only once or twice, but uh, we have a great relationship, and his farm always seems to be really good. And I picked it up off a of Craigslist. That's awesome. So just, just little things like that. I, I've picked up 10 or 15 acres off of Facebook even because uh, last year I said I'm looking for a place to put some popcorn if there's anything available. And uh, the, this uh, older gentleman from the next town over had some ground and grass. And 
he said I could go ahead and farm it. So I put popcorn out there and, you know, plowed it up and everything. With the wet spring we had last year, it didn't get planted until June, but it still did pretty good. And so that's another farm I've got in my rotation now that just magically appeared in my lap because of social media and the power it has. <laughs> right on. All right, social media. Uh, let's talk about it. I've been, I think I've been following you for, I don't know, at least three to four, maybe even five years now, Gavin. Uh, I've seen you go from a, a spraying company to having a haggy sprayer to all of a sudden <laughs> growing some ground, and then all of a sudden you're a popcorn farmer, and now you've got a new combine, and I just don't know what yeah. to do with you. <laughs> Well, I, I, there's a few things I could say about a Hagee sprayer. Not too many of them are nice, but I did own a Hagee <laughs> well, for a hey, while. Well, hey, before we start, we might have Hagee as a sponsor someday, so we better not. Just, just keep <laughs> well, the opinions to yourself. <laughs> I will say, whenever it worked, it was a great sprayer. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, when you buy a used machine, sometimes they don't always work like they're supposed to. And that's not the machine's fault, it's yep. just its age. And I can't afford a new one, so I, I buy some equipment with age, and we don't. I, I like I said, I'm not a very good mechanic, so I. It was an interesting year with that machine. We did get some acres covered with it though, and it did a good job when it worked. Right on. But, okay, that. But yeah, like yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, spraying business. Um, last year we did five thousand acres of custom spraying, me and a business partner, and uh, you know just all I, I like to put everything I do out on social media to hopefully influence or, or you know bounce ideas back and forth with others and it sounds like you've been noted you know you've been paying attention I must be doing something right if I'm catching your eye uh you know following oh I'm not story, that much so. different <clears throat> so you're on Facebook Instagram you've got your own website uh YouTube and and TikTok which it's kind of yep. a weird platform, if you ask me, but uh, tell us a little bit about how you're able to sell stuff on it. I mean, you're doing it. You're selling a lot of popcorn on Instagram and everything else, but how are you mar using that as a market tactic? Yep. So, um, actually, I, the reason I feel that I'm so good at Instagram is by watching other people. Uh, for example, you know, Jay Hill, Larson Farms. Uh, mm -hmm. Welker, you even you know, every, I Beaver Vineyards, um, everyone was talking on their Instagram story and tagging each other and talking back and forth and networking, just having a conversation for fun. And I saw that and I thought, oh my goodness, that is one heck of a way to find new people to bounce ideas back and forth with and get new followers and make new connections. Um, so I started doing that with with some of my friends out there uh, and. That really seemed to help me get a new, you know, more followers uh, that I could bounce ideas back and forth with. And I've had a bunch of people that, you know, asked how my story and how I achieved it. But yeah, marketing like that on Instagram, getting creative, using hashtags and all of your posts um, mm -hmm. on TikTok, it's it's crazy. You can have a video you don't think is worth anything, you know, might get ten or twenty views, and then all of a sudden it's got a million and a half views. And uh, people are going yep. to visit your website, and I, like you said, I don't understand that app. I don't know, I don't get how it works. But man, you just make a video or two, and one of them takes off, and all of a sudden, your website goes crazy. And you've got to package up ten orders the next morning because people are going to buy your popcorn. Um, I don't know the science behind it. I just, 
if I find something that works on social media, I keep doing it. And if I, uh, you know, if I try something out and I don't think it's working, um, then I'll just move on to the next idea. But, but networking, networking is huge. Um, sharing ideas back and forth and, uh, you know, sharing ideas and not wanting something in return. Um, you know, not expecting, cause I've got multiple people that ask me how to, you know, help them pick out popcorn varieties or how can they become a first generation farmer? And I, I do everything I can to help them out. And I'll, you know, I'll never see any benefit from that personally, but it makes me feel good to, to work with those people and try to help them get going. Also, that's a good feeling. Um, I love social media for that. When you, when you put something out there on TikTok or, or any platform that kind of goes crazy, do you, do you see a spike in, in website traffic and then eventually orders as well? Typically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, heck, if you, if you get a video on TikTok that gets 400,000 views, even if 1% of those people go and visit your website, that's 4,000 people. And if half of 1% of those people place an order or place an order down the road six months from now, I, that's, that's a big number, you know, and that helps my farm out. I say I spend one minute to make a video and it turns into 10 sales. That's a, that's a pretty good return on investment. So, and it's, I don't make the videos to get the sale. I make the videos on TikTok as an educational thing almost, um, you know, cause people want to know where their food comes from. And if it turns into a sale, that's great. And if all it turns into is someone learning about what farmers are doing and how we're trying to grow a safe food supply, that's exactly what my goal is. So you mentioned the educational side of things. Um, I I think it's great when people turn their ag social media platforms into an educational into an educational piece. Um, do you try to do that on all your platforms, or I mean, is it just kind of what floats? Your, I mean, is every platform different on how you how you approach things? Yeah, um, yeah, you approach them a little bit different on every every uh platform um my goal whenever and i don't try to sometimes people that consider themselves advocates get a, a bad name for uh, you know talking to the oh how do i word this i'll have to be particular with my words and how i word it but there, there's a group of people that don't like the word ad, advocate because they think we're all just talking in the same group and you know, shaking each other's hands and, and not really accomplishing anything. Um, but my goal whenever I talk about my farm is not to just be able to talk about myself and feel good about myself. It's I do it to try to inspire other people and, and show them, hey, I'm a first-generation guy. You could do the same thing. Um, or I try to make an educational piece about where their food comes from. If, if someone doesn't want to know, they can scroll right past it. But for the people that do want to know, uh, I want to be a voice for it. So, um, but yeah, no, I love talking about my farm and, and how I've grown it and how other people can do it too. You, you, you referenced right earlier on. that, that, that everything you send out is, has your last name on it. And I think anytime you sell a product yep. that has your name on it, um, kind of changes how you market it and how you brand it. Um, why, what do you mean, do you, do you do anything different or anything unique with your marketing or does your stuff kind of sell itself? Um, across your different platforms? Um, so now that I've got over 10,000 followers on Instagram, I can put my website in my Instagram stories. So if I'm somewhere around popcorn or packaging popcorn, um, I will put 
my website in that story so people can click on it and follow it. Uh, but I try to just be uh, educational with my videos, and then if people want to go purchase it, they can. But I don't make posts saying, hey, go buy this. Does that make sense, kind of? Um, I don't want it to be an ad to go purchase my popcorn. Um, I want it to be an informational piece or a motivational piece. And then if they like it enough and they find value in it, then they can go buy it you know, on their own. Um, but I don't want it to come out as like, you know, this is ads and I'm shoving some, a product down someone's throat. Yeah. I, I like but every that. Single, That's a... Every single, every platform's different. You have, you know, Facebook's different than, than Twitter is, and it's different than Instagram. But, uh, you know, and it takes a while to figure that out too. There's an art to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it just takes a personal skill and, and your know-how of how to do it. And I think you're on the track, really. I mean, uh, I, it's just amazing how well you're able to use each platform to its benefits. And, and I think you're doing a great job, Gavin. Uh, well, that, moving on. From you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <what laughs> hey, <that>? I'm no <laughs> one special. I'm just, I'm just some idiot with 14,000 followers. That's it. I mean, there's there's nothing, <laughs> nothing fancy about me. Hey, Gavin... What does what does your life look like ten years from now? Uh, life on the farm, or you personally, what does it look like from from where you're at right now? Um, ten years from now, that's you know that's hard advice to give because ten years ago, if I would have told myself what I'm doing now, I would have called myself crazy. Um, I, I never expected to be a popcorn farmer. I never expected to go to a four year university. Um, my bank account never expected me to go to a four-year university either. I mean, that's that's one thing they don't tell you is how much that dang place costs. But uh, yep. ten years from now, um, I'd like to I'd like to have some kind of ag service-based business um, to support local farmers. Um, you know, I'd like to to get a bigger sprayer than a spray coop and and sell some seed and kind of be that go-to local guy to help those older farmers out who might not have sons on the farm and they can plant combine, but they might not want to spray, uh, you know, or or spread their fertilizer. And I could do that for them. Um, I'd really like to expand the popcorn business and get more into specialty crops, you know, keep trying different crops out every year, whether that's a different variety of popcorn or, or some flowers or something else that I haven't tried yet. Um, and who knows what else? I need a better semi. I need a bigger semi. So I guess if I get a bigger semi, I've got to haul for some people, you know, haul other products so I can make the dang truck payment. Um, I'd like to have a few employees and, you know, grow the community. It seems like rural communities are dying and more people move away every single year and farms get larger and more people retire and I'd like to have neighbors whenever I'm older. Um, I'd like to see more young farmers in my area. That would make me happy if, if we could get more young guys involved. Uh, some people would view that as competition, and, and uh, but I, I think it'd be great to have 15 or 20 more people in my area that I could network with and, and farm side by side just down the road with. So um, I'd like to bring some life back into my little rural community. That's uh, right on. some solid wisdom there. I like the, I like the fact that you said you want to have neighbors. I think a lot of people think when they think yeah. of farmers, they think of people that live out in the middle of nowhere by themselves. But um, even in small towns, it's it's well, nice to have somebody next I, I to you. I wouldn't mind having a long driveway where I could get away from people <laughs> if I wanted to and, and go home at night. But uh, 
you know, if I want to go out and visit, I want to be able to do that. You know, out here, I'd say there's probably, I'd say our average farm size is somewhere around a thousand acres. You've got a few guys that are farming three or 400 and you've got a few guys that are farming six or eight or 10,000. And there's a lot of guys in the middle. Um, but there seems to be fewer and fewer of those guys in the middle every year. They, they just, they keep getting bigger, which, you know, if that's what the market dictates they want, that's what's going to happen. But I'd like to, I'd like to see some smaller, younger guys start back up. I, I think that'd be good. Mm-hmm. I agree. Gavin, we're going to, we're going to move uh, into the rapid fire section of the, of the show. And uh, like Dan mentioned earlier, we've, we've got four questions for you. Um, kind of random kind of okay. all over the place, but we ask that you don't don't think too much about them. Just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, University, you University of Missouri is an old school, founded in, in the mid-1800s, I believe. Um, what is your favorite favorite tradition there at the university? Uh, university or uh, fraternity you pick. related? You pick. <laughs> fraternity related at Alpha Gamma Rho or Crawfish Boil, which unfortunately got canceled this year, but it's a uh, we get all the guys together and a whole bunch of people show up from on campus and we've got a big day full of crawfish and, and, uh, it's fun. Last year we had a couple hundred people at it. Um, really great memories with a big group of guys. Uh, that, that fraternity has made a huge difference in my life. Just the connections I've made and, and the memories I've made. Absolutely. Right on. All right. You knew this was coming. Uh, favorite type of popcorn to eat. Favorite type of popcorn? My personal favorite is red. It's uh, it, it pops tender. There's not many holes to get stuck in your teeth, and uh, it's just neat eating red popcorn. I never would have. I didn't even know it existed until a couple of years ago. So I, that's my favorite color. Uh, next question: If you had one superpower, what would it be? <laughs> Ooh, if I had one superpower. I think being a mind reader would be cool because sometimes I wonder what's going through other people's heads. Uh, but then again, that would not be the best thing uh, because I'm sure there's some people out there that <laughs> I wouldn't want to peek inside their head. I, <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting people out there, but I, you know, I think that'd be good to know what's going on in someone else's head uh, going into a situation. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot, and you better say Farmer Dan. No, I'm kidding. You don't have to. But, uh, Gavin, <laughs> name your three top Instagram accounts to follow. And seriously, you don't have to say me because I'm pretty boring. Three top Instagram accounts. Here lately, I've really got a kick out of Larson Farms and Dodge Boy Duggo. <laughs> Their stories. I used to just scroll through Instagram just to look at the pictures, but here lately, the stories, I've been getting a kick out of the stories and just watching people's everyday lives and <laughs> what all they've got going on. So Larson and Doug are definitely at the top. And then uh, below that, let me think here. I'd say, honestly, it'd be, it'd be a tie between Farmer Dan and, and Dane Jessup. I, I get along good with Dane. Uh, he goes by the Cowboy Farmer. Um, there on Instagram, but he's he's got a lot of stuff going on too, similar to me, um, working a job and doing some custom work and just starting a first generation farm. Right on. So people keep that a note, and if you want to go follow any of those guys, if you aren't already, uh, I can guarantee good stuff from them all. And also, go give a give a good follow to Gavin on just about any platform you can think of. 
<laughs> you can find me anywhere. <laughs> Gavin, why don't why don't you go ahead and plug all those all those accounts and let people know where they can find you? You bet. So uh, Instagram and Facebook and, and Twitter and YouTube, it's all Gavin Spore or uh, Gavin underscore Spore. On TikTok, I am the Popcorn Farmer, and uh, I don't I don't post too much on YouTube, but uh, when I do, keep an eye out for it. But my my go to is is Instagram and Twitter and and TikTok. Um, there's a lot of good connections made on Twitter and, uh, there's a lot of pictures of my equipment up on Instagram. So whichever one you'd rather see more, be sure to go check them out. Folks, it's, it's good content. Be sure and check it out. His website is sporefarms.com, S-P-O-O-R. And the links to all of his social medias will be down in the description or the show notes below. Dan, close it out for us. Gavin, we, we've touched on this, uh, Kind of pretty much all throughout the, the the recording of the podcast here, but I want to hear your final thoughts on speaking to that twelve year old listening to this show, or or maybe that college kid right now that has never really grown up on a farm but knows that it's in their blood. Uh, what kind of advice could you give them in order to maybe follow the steps that you've taken on on being a first gen farmer? Absolutely. So there's a quote that I live by. This is a great question. There's a quote that I live by. It's dreams only work if you do. Once you get out of high school and, and start to get out of college, if you don't chase your dreams, no one else is going to chase them for you. But in today's world, anything is possible. With with social media and the ability to connect with anyone across the entire United States or world, for that matter, if you want to achieve something, you can do it, but it's going to take a lot of work. There's many weeks that I work 80 or 90 or 100 hours, but it's because I have such a passion for my farm and I want to see it succeed that I do. Not everything you're going to do, not everything that you try to do is going to work out. And uh, even if it does work out, it's probably not going to be in the way that you originally planned for it. Um, You can always plan for success, but it's going to come in a different way than you expect. You need to try a bunch of different things out. Uh, But surround yourself with a good group of people you're pretty much the sum of the four or five people you hang out with the most. So make sure you're surrounding yourself with, with successful people that you look up to and, and value their advice. Um, but if you want to farm, uh, corn and soybean prices are cheap right now, so you need to get creative with it, whether it's uh, going direct to market or trying out different crops or, or getting creative, um, getting into livestock. or um, You need to get creative with it, but anything's possible if you want it hard enough. If you're willing to work hard enough, you can achieve it. Hey man, I, I love it. I mean, that's some that's some solid advice uh, from a from an Instagram friend that I love to catch up with and and learn things from. I mean, I've I actually didn't know people grew popcorn. I thought it just showed up the store, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that is a extremely sarcastic comment, folks. Uh, Gavin, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it, it's been a blast getting to talk with you personally about your farm and everything that goes on with it uh man this is awesome i sure appreciate it you bet well hey thank you guys that great that's a good conversation that was fun gavin thanks for coming on with us dan we'll visit with you next time thanks for listening to this week's episode of the advocates be sure and check out our facebook instagram and twitter pages to see who we'll feature next on behalf of dan I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.